Boondoggle, the Boondoggle podcast. Boondoggle, read by the Boondog. Stories, read by the Boondog. Not written by him, he's just a conduit. Yes, episode three of the Boondoggle podcast. Here I am, I am the Boondog, and this is the Boondoggle podcast. Um, This is a podcast uh, in which I read stories from a book simply titled The Boondoggle. I found this book um, when uh, me and my friends, we had a a bonfire and we put loads of sticks on it, as you do a bonfire. Flames were roaring, put loads of sticks on it and people, it just got to the point where everyone was just chucking everything on the bonfire. Probably wasn't very safe, but flames got bigger and then we all fell asleep. And then in the morning, I just thought, oh, let's have a little dig through the ashes of the bonfire. And within the bonfire, I found a book. And it was um, it was white, pristine white. And then in black, um, block capitals like you'd get on WordArt, on Microsoft Word, it said, The Boondoggle. And it was just in pristine condition. And I was really confused because you'd think, ah, oh, surely this book would have been burnt to a crisp if it had been in the heart and the depths of this um, bonfire but no it was in pristine condition so I took it home and I read it and you know what it's got some pretty good stories in it some stories aren't so good um, but some stories yeah I just thought the nation needs to hear these and actually actually more than the nation needs to hear them because we have an Austrian listener Hello to my Austrian friend, once again. Um, so I've decided to call myself the Boon Dog because I'm acting like a conduit for this book. It's um, I'm not saying it's religious. I'm not saying the book is like as important as all these religious texts, but it's certainly a lot more interesting than some of the stories. Um, and but then again, some of the stories aren't as interesting as I said. But whatever you think, I didn't write them, so say what you want. So what else do I need to talk about before we begin? Um, I haven't worn deodorant in two weeks until today, because um, if you're listening in the next few months, maybe a few years, then you'll remember this is a time of lockdown. And since we've been in lockdown, I... It started off um, by accident, kept forgetting to put children on, but then I decided to uh, experiment and see if I would begin to smell if I um, if I didn't put deodorant on. And I did put deodorant on yesterday because I realised that I did begin to smell. So we've all got our own little tests and experiments to do during this time, and uh, I've proven that deodorant is not just a conspiracy theory. We have one listener in the 60 to 150 age category at the moment. I'm hoping they're more, they're nearer to the 150 side of things, but I've got a feeling they're nearer to the 60s. But we'll never know. It's uh, it's a weird, it's a weird time we're living in this time of lockdown. But it's, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty lucky, but I'm quite enjoying it. Um, obviously there's all this bad stuff going on as well, but it's given me a lot of time to make this podcast, actually. 
Um, so that's handy. Without any further ado, we will crack on with the first story. I think I'm going to try and get some theme tunes for these uh, recurring characters. So as of recording this, I don't have any, but if you hear one in the next few uh, in the next few seconds, you'll know that I've made one before releasing it. Here we go. These are the tales of Debbie Snuggles. Okay, so this one is called Top Prize for Debbie Snuggles. Um, if you'll remember, the last time we saw Debbie Snuggles, she is the ASM artist, uh, and she she saved. Um, well, she solved a crime basically. That someone had um, hacked uh, into the Oscars, uh, and they'd stolen all the stolen all the information about everyone that would win Oscars and swapped it with the people that were going to win the Razzies. But uh, Debbie used her ASMR skills to uncover um, who, well, what the actual results were, and it was all pretty good. So now, let us begin this story. Top prize for Debbie Snuggles. Debbie Snuggles was looking more glamorous than usual, for it was the Tingleys, the annual awards in everything ASMR. She wore a glistening silver dress that hugged her figure and caressed the floor. Isn't that lovely? All the big names of the scene were out looking and sounding tip-top for a bit of schmoozing. Oh, this is where the big books are, Debbie. You catch the eye of the right kind of guy, and honey, you could... And honey, you will fly into the sky of TV and Hollywood, said Jack Dingle. Well, Jack... You know, I think this is a large amount of lovey-dovey, two-faced behavior. Half these people, I wouldn't let clean my swimming pool. The other half, I'd make sure they had a good shower before they used it. Debbie, Debbie, long. There's something you've got to understand about this game. It's all kissing ass and licking faces. Some things ain't never going to change, and that's a goddamn fact. Well, perhaps I don't want to play this game any longer, then. Oh, don't be like that. A little birdie told me there's a little something special coming your way this fine evening. Now how about that? I couldn't care less. Don't you mean you could care less? Ah, yes. That's what we say over here. I could care less. Well, all I'm saying is if you don't dance the dance every once in a while, you might not even have anybody to clean your pool. Or even a pool at all. The host for the evening took to the stage. It was Julie Valentine. She was Hollywood, baby. My dress is John Paul Gaultier. He made it for me. It it only fits me. She said into the microphone. In case you were wondering. So, So here I am. Returning to my roots to see how you guys are all doing. I'm doing fine, in case you were wondering. Jack Dingle turned to Debbie. Look at that. That could be you in a year or two if you play your cards right. Oh, mama, how about that? Thank you, Jack, but I'd rather it wasn't. Everyone knows she turned to the cigarettes when Hollywood came calling. I feel for her esophagus. Besides, I'm here to change the world. So let's begin tonight's proceedings. I'm off to the bathroom, said Debbie. Oh, Debbie, you gotta look like you care. That's good for the image. But Jack, I don't. Debbie headed out of the lavish auditorium and found the bathroom. She sat on the toilet and contemplated life. 
What was she doing here? What would Detective Bam say if he saw her here? What was his motto? Feel good, do good. Or was it do good, feel good? Either way, she was neither doing nor feeling good. Back in the auditorium, things were kicking off big time, and not in a fun way. Julie had been announcing the award for Softest Whisper. So Softest Whisper. Oh, this one. I won this back in the day. Ultimate prize, this one. You get this, you could be the next me. Wouldn't you like that? She opens the envelope. Debbie Snuggles. Debbie didn't come up. Instead, three men charged into the auditorium. The leader was balding, though his pale hair hung down at the back. He was slim and wore a suit. His two henchmen had buzz cuts, were well built and wore vests. Oh, and did I mention, they had guns. The leader took the microphone off of Julie Valentine. Oh, I don't need this, she said as she tossed it to the side. My name is Gunther Lundberg and I've waited a long time for this moment. These two men are... The henchmen shot their guns in the air. Stop doing that. I was going to introduce you, but you no longer get an introduction, he said. Where was I? Ah, yes. You have been forcing people to listen to your... How do I say this? Poison. For too long now. It is about time you listen to me. Debbie stood outside the doors listening in to their demands. As far as she could tell, nobody knew she was there. Gunther carried on. You people think everybody wants to hear you, don't you? You silly little voices. You think you help people sleep? You don't! You help people stay awake. Who is relaxed by eating fruit into a microphone? Jump, jump, jump. Nobody. Debbie pulled out her phone and gave BAM a call. Detective, detective, you must come to the Tingleys. There's some sort of terrorist attack going on. Well, Debbie, it's great to hear from you again. That's awful bad news and something must be done ASAP. I'll get a team over there pronto. You might need to haul them off though. The cops are damn busy tonight. It's crime night in Hollywood. But detective, what on earth could I do to stop these men? They have guns, and all I got is my voice. Debbie, I'm sure you'll find a way. I believe in you. Oh, well, thank you, detective. Debbie, one more thing. You could have called 911 like everyone else. Why me? Oh, detective, that's a story for another time, I guess. She hung up the phone and turned back to the action inside. This this does not have to end in tears. The henchmen shot their guns again. Stop it! You are replaceable, you know. Right. This does not have to end in tears. I have here a contract, upon which is the sentence, I promise to never whisper, tap, stroke, or make any silly sounds and post it on the internet again. If you sign this, you can all go free. The whole room gasped. This was their livelihoods at stake here. They couldn't possibly sign it. What the hell was his problem? Debbie thought. Sure, 
ASMR isn't saving the world, but was it so bad? Then she remembered. He sounded just like this one person who kept commenting on her videos. He kept mentioning this one word. Misophonia. When certain sounds trigger emotional or physiological responses that some might perceive as unreasonable given the circumstance, those who have misophonia might describe it as when a sound drives you crazy. This guy was certainly crazy. Debbie burst through the doors, then she began to whisper. Hello, 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 please, hello. I know what you're trying to do. You're too far away, you fool. Apart from the two of them, the room was silent. The whole crowd of ASM artists stood in awe. Okay, everyone, we need to work together. If we all whisper at once, he won't stand a chance against our power. Slowly, the whole room began to whisper at once. These were the best whisperers in the game. Gunther and his henchmen started to squirm. No, no, make it stop, please. The room kept whispering. No, no, no. They writhed around on the floor, unable to think. Debbie made her way up to the stage, plucked the contract out of Gunther's hands with ease and ripped it to shreds. This will not be necessary. The police stormed in, led by Detective Bam. For a second, they were befuddled by the whispering. They had never encountered a crime scene like it. Debbie waved the squad over and they cuffed the three terrorists. The whispers died down. These are the three perpetrators. They were trying to wipe out all the some artists that from the internet. Well, we couldn't have that. You really are quite something, Debbie. Save the day once again. If I could give you a personal badge of honour, I would. A thanks from you is quite enough, Detective. After all the commotion had receded, Debbie and Jack walked to her car. Oh, honey, you have taken the candy from the baby there. My, oh, my, we're going to get offers coming out of our rectums. Hollywood are going to love you. Oh, mama. Jack, you're getting less useful every day. If you don't start listening to my demands... And maybe I'm going to have to find myself someone else to do your job. And there we have it. What an adventure for Debbie Snuggles. She's just managed to do it once again. And that bloody agent of hers, he's useless. He's only got his eyes on one thing, and that's money. But, Debbie, you've got got to respect her wishes, you know got to respect her dreams her goals because she wants to do something a bit more meaningful um i mean she's like asmr just it's just not enough for her and she wants to be a bit more meaningful i mean she's definitely very sure of herself which you know can't argue with that she might rub some people up the wrong way but uh she knows what she wants and she's gonna get it she's got a lot of confidence as well to go in there and coordinate uh, a lot of people to do a lot of whispering um some people wouldn't be able to do that so yeah once again big big respect to debbie snuggles and i wish her all the best but where are things going to go with her and detective bam i see a little something blossoming there um we'll have to uh, find out in future episodes 
But as as previously said, I've ne- I haven't read these stories before, so um, I've got no idea. It could end in death uh, or just a falling out, um, but we never know. All right, let's move on to the next story. Uh, once again, I hopefully will have a theme tune for some of these. Um, as recording this, I don't, so uh, we'll have to wait and see. Is there a theme tune? I don't know. The power of iron. Okay. We are following up with uh, Iron Deficiency Man, Angus. Uh, you might remember last week he was um, he was looking for a bit more trouble because he'd um, he'd he just uh, well told off some people for smoking um, for smoking cannabis in the park and they didn't take him very seriously and he didn't didn't get the thrill that he wanted from it. It didn't make him feel like he had a firework up his ass. Uh, so he's gone looking for a bit more trouble, and uh, so we'll see where that gets him. This story is called A Deficiency of Iron. So Angus walked on, once more in search of trouble, something to give him the feeling of a firework up his ass. But there was no trouble, only petty crimes, and he would no longer waste his time on petty crime. He considered that as a motto. No time for petty crime. But then he dismissed it, as it sounded like he didn't have the time to commit petty crime. Or perhaps it sounded like he was trying to stamp out petty crime. Either way, it didn't work. He returned home to his lovely Jessica. There's nothing going on out there, he complained. Well, isn't that something special? No. Once again, we're struggling with the voice of Jessica. We've decided she's Scottish, and we must go with that. Now here's me getting into my zone of a Scottish voice. Hello, I'm Scottish. Scottish. Hello, 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 oh, hello. There we are. Hello. Oh, well, isn't that something special? No crime. Brilliant, she replied. Why can't I live in Gotham City? Instead, I gotta live in bloody, bloody, boring, bloody Bristol. Spider-Man would love to live in Bristol. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. There was a sort of Irish Indian there. Hello, 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 hello. Scottish. Scottish, well, isn't that something special? Spider-Man will love to live in Bristol, you wally. You take this for granted. Well, Batman lives in Gotham City, so not Spider-Man, so you're the wally. He ran out into the garden and started kicking a football against the fence. It was just this kind of smart-ass behaviour that was testing Jessica's patience. Angus found himself in a rut. He sat on the sofa, popping iron pills and playing Grand Theft Auto. Then, when he needed to exert all his pent-up energy, he would run around the garden until his legs gave way. Jessica had to work, though. After all, someone had to pay the rent. She got herself at the, a job at the garden centre and divulged her problems with the petunias. Oh, he means well, he always does. He's just a bit, you know, different. Kick him out! Oh, no, I couldn't. We're two peas in a pod. We are, you know, you, you don't mean that. I know he doesn't treat me right. It's just a brief moment, I believe. If he stays in until those pills are gone, he'll have nought to worry about. I wish I'd never asked you. Nothing but trouble. 
For the next week, Angus's days were the same. What a sad little life, Angus. But eventually, those iron pills ran out and he had to take action. I can't be good losing all my quickness of thought, my energy and my high libido, he thought. We haven't heard much about Angus's libido, but the less said of that, the better. He ran to the pharmacy at turbo speed. Prescription for the Iron Warrior, please. Sir, there is no prescription under that name. Oh, uh, Angus, then. Prescription for Angus, please. I'm sorry, sir, there is no prescription under that name either. There must be some mistake. Very well, then. Angus raked a stash of iron pills from the shelves and dumped them on the counter. I'll take all these, please. The cashier scanned one in and immediately stopped what he was doing. Ah, I'm sorry, sir, we can't do that. A man turned the screen around to show Angus. In big block capitals it said, Do not sell iron to this Egypt. He yelled to the heavens before composing himself. We'll try that R again. He yelled to the heavens before composing himself. That Dr. Palmer is out to get me. He is my nemesis. Angus left the bottles of iron on the counter and stormed out of the pharmacy. A few minutes later, in walked someone with their hood up and tied so tight around their face. They picked up a pack of gum and took it to the counter. Oh, I beers will take a few of these since they're here. He slid a few bottles of iron pills towards the cashier. I hear this stuff can be helpful in some way. Sir, I know you're the Egypt we can't sell these to. I don't quite understand. Please remove your hood. With the hood still tight around his face, the voice changed back to Angus's. If I was the worst man, I would do away with these and you'd be none the wiser. But I'm not, so you can keep them. But I'll get me iron. The following day, Angus was sat across the table from Mr Higginbottom, owner of Iron Pills, Inc., He had found the factory address on his bottle of iron pills, and it happened to be right in the heart of Bristol. How fortunate. Uh, Do tell me, please, what is it that brings you to us? What is it you can bring to the team? Of all the places in the world, why work here? Well, sir, I live and breathe iron. It's in my blood. I can taste it. No, you tell us. Well, sir, I live and breathe iron. It's in my blood. I can taste it. Mr Higginbottom laughed. I suppose you're right. How very smart. You can start tomorrow. Factory floor, 6am sharp. That was simple enough. Or was it? For when Angus returned home, all his belongings were out on the front lawn in bin bags. Jessica leaned out the top window and shouted to him. I've had it up to here with you. No, she's Scottish, remember? Angus... Hello, Ang- I've I've had it up to here with you, Angus. I've had it up to it. Hello, Angus. I've had it up. I've had it up to. I've had it up to here. <laughs> Hello, Angus. I've had it up to here with you, Angus. Hello, hello, Angus. Angus. Hello. I've had it up to here with you, Angus. I've had it up to here with you. I've had it up to here with you. I've had it up to here with you. Let's go from that again, because there's a joke there. 
That was simple enough, or was it? For when Angus returned home, all his belongings were out on the front lawn in bin bags. Jessica leaned out the top window and shouted to him. I've had it up to here with you. She held her hand up. Wow, that is high, he thought. I know you've gone and got yourself a job with Iron Pills, Inc. Don't you think I know what they do? I'm just trying to help the financial struggles we're in. Oh, Angus, I might have believed that once, but you only care about one thing and one thing only, and that is iron. Now get out! So Angus collected his essentials into one bin bag and made his way to Iron Pills, Inc., arriving extra early for his shift. He spent the night snuggled up in a sleeping bag in the woods by Iron Pills, Inc. It wasn't the best night's sleep, but it was something. His shift lasted from 6am till 2pm, but when it got to 2, he offered to carry on with the next shift until 10. Throughout the day, he would pour 60 tablets into their little bottles. However, every 10th bottle would only end up with 59. I wonder why. Not! Also, <laughs> the writer of this has put in a little joke. Uh, so you say, throughout the day, he would pour 60 tablets into their little bottles. However, every tenth bottle would only end up with 59. I wonder why. Not. That's in the text, that little joke. When 10pm rolled around, he lingered. He hid from the security guards as they were shutting down until he heard nothing but the pitter-patter of his own steps. He rolled out a sleeping bag in the middle of the factory floor, closed his eyes and dreamt of iron. Now he had 24-7 access to the stuff. He would be unstoppable. There we have it. Old Angus has got himself a job in the iron factory. Sounds like a, a saying, that. Oh, he's got himself a job in the iron factory. But in this case, it is true. So that is the one thing that Angus has dreamed of. I mean, sure, he still loves Jessica. We must... We have to be sure of that, because that love is true and love is pure. But he's developed this... Well, frankly, it's an addiction, and we're, there's no two ways about it. Uh, it's an addiction to iron. But there's no IA, iron, iron Anonymous, Ironaholics Anonymous. So I don't know how he's going to get out of this uh, little rut. Um, but, yeah, he's found himself... Sleeping on the floor of the iron factory. Is this rock bottom for him? Or can he sink any further? As said previously, I haven't read on, so it's a mystery to me as well. But, uh, yeah, wow. I hope you liked the theme tune, if there was a theme tune. More on that in another week. Okay, so it's our third and final story. And this one, oh, it's a new one featuring all new characters. And it's called Master of the Alps. We've had a great big snowfall up here in the mountains. No, he doesn't talk like that. Hey, hey. We've had a great big snowfall up here in the mountains. About 23 centimetres, I reckon. It's a beautiful day, blue skies and everything. Get your skis on and get on up here. Tim Wav pressed upload and posted his daily weather report onto his pub website. 
Le Jolly Boys. He was proud of the name because if you're English, you could read it as The Jolly Boys, which was good because there were often jolly boys in there. If you're French, you could read it as Le Jolly Bois, which translates as The Pretty Wood, which was also good because it just sounds nice, doesn't it? Life was a breeze in the Alps, he thought as he returned to his pub in the resort of Courcheval. This was a resort for high flyers. People like David Beckham, Naomi Campbell and Antonio Banderas spent their holidays there. Holidays. They spent their holidays there. Separately, of course. But Tim's pub didn't cater for them. He was a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. A man of the people. He returned to his pub at 11am and all the staff began to sing. Master of the Alps, Timmy Timmy Wav. Everybody loves the landlord. He greeted them with a grin and joined them behind the bar. By 2pm, however, Tim knew something was different. The place, would usually, the place would usually be bustling with punters by this point, but it really wasn't. Where is everyone, Linda? What the hell is going on? Oh, well, I've heard this new thing. A little way up the hill, actually. They're fully something. It's really quite something. Loud music and lights and all that kind of stuff. On the mountain? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's ruining the vibe. I need to check this out. Just as he was told, when Tim arrived, there was loud music. People dancing on tables, DJs shouting things on balconies, and drinks on zip wires. And it was called the Folly Something. Oh, wow, this isn't what the mountains are about, man. Where's all the tranquility? He powered his way through the crowd and found the bar. After queuing for ten minutes, he got to the bar. Who runs this place? He asked. Uh, François Le Poisson. I will uh, get him for you. The barman replied and headed upstairs. In a couple of minutes, he returned and said, He has been expecting you. Please go up. So Tim headed up the bright white stairs. It appeared as if he was heading out to the DJ balcony, but a door to his right made itself clear before he got there. François Le Poisson's bureau, it said on it. Tim was about to knock, but a voice came from within before he could do so. Uh, come in. So he did. Francois Le Poisson sat behind his desk with slick dark hair coiffured meticulously. Tim took a seat opposite. Francois spoke. I've uh, been uh, waiting for you to come up from your puny little English pub down the hill. Pathetic. I know what you're going to tell me, but I will let you speak anyway. Hey, Francois, my friend, I like to party as much as the next man, but this thing, this this isn't the Alps. This isn't skiing. This is ruining the peace and tranquility of the hill. Francois stood up. Who are you to tell me what the Alps are, little Englishman? You uh, want to have a fight about it? Tim was taken aback. Whoa, easy now. I'm just a nice guy trying to take... Whoa, easy now. I'm just a nice guy trying to ask you to take it down a notch. A race. I challenge you to a race. From here to there. Your pub? Le Jolie Bois. Le Jolie Bois. Oh, I'm not, I'm not a competitive guy, Francois. Can't we settle this nicely? No, 
I race or I turn my music up. All right, all right, we'll race. Francois guided Tim out of his office and stepped onto the DJ's balcony. He took the mic and the music went silent. This little Englishman, he wants me to turn my music down. Some of the crowd booed, but some stayed silent, for Tim had a lot of respect among the local community. So we, uh, we are going to race from here to Les Jolies Bois. Immediately, the crowd went wild. Francois and Tim positioned themselves at the top of the hill, clicked into their skis and ready to go. Francois wore tight red lycra with just a headband and sunglasses. Tim wore his normal ski gear with a helmet and goggles. Go! came the call, and they charged down the hill. Neither were turning at all, but Tim just had the edge. They weaved in and out of the other skiers until a major obstacle appeared. A ski school was weaving all across the slope. Tim put the brakes on, making a slight turn to avoid a major accident. Francois didn't. He kept going straight on, colliding with a five-year-old child in the process. The child remained attached to him until he reached Le Jolie Bois, at which point he threw them on the floor and shouted, Get off me, little child! He looked up the hill to see Tim coming in just behind him. Bit of luck next time, scoffed Francois. He kicked his skis off his feet, making them somersault above his head before catching them. Then he marched off. Dejected, Tim unclipped his skis and headed back into his pub. He was greeted by a huge cheer. Although it wasn't as busy as the folly something, his most valued punters and staff were all there, and they all began to sing. Master of the Alps, Timmy Timmy Wav, everybody loves the landlord. Master of the Alps, Tim's a lovely man, always working with a smile on his face. And Timmy Wav smiled in a big way. What a, what a, it's quite a heartwarming story, isn't it, really? And um, if you want me to tell you what the moral is, I will. The moral is, uh, do not um, stay true to your colours and uh, slow down for children and cherish the ones that care about you. And um, partying's nice if respectful of others uh, businesses and feelings. Is that all right? I mean, I don't decide what the morals are. I didn't write the stories. Uh, so yeah, if you have got a different moral from that same story, uh, yeah, write in maybe. Um, yeah, I might, I might, um, create a, an Instagram for, um, for this, uh, for the podcast. So far, you can just get me on my, um, on my personal one, um, which is, I believe it's just Boondog. Um, I'll just check that. I am, who am I? Who am I? I am Boondog, yes. Um, yeah, if you're listening in a few years' time, this might seem like nonsense because obviously there is a Boondoggle um, Instagram that I have made and it's got millions of followers. Currently, as of uh, speaking into this microphone, there is just my personal account, um, just Boondog, and so you can um, 
message me on that or on the Twitter, uh, Alex J Pigot. That's P G P I G O T T. Um, yeah, that's. I'm still going by my old name on that, uh, not my current conduit for the book name, The Boondog. Um, that is the end of the podcast for this week. The stories were a bit shorter this week, and I think they're all the better for it. I hope the author of the the book um, doesn't hear this, because uh, he might be offended. Um, but yeah, I think they're nice, short and sweet, and uh, pretty, pretty... I've, I'm really liking the introduction of this Master of the Alps. Um, he's got a lot of love from his um, the pub punters. I feel like deep down inside, he's probably a lot happier than um, our man Francois Le Poisson, who has uh, come to dominate the, the Alpine experience with um, with big, 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 big venues and things like that. But there we have it. So, what more do I have to say? Um, I've been the Boondog, and you have been listening. The podcast's over.